0: as a prayer, if only we would each have a servant's heart before God. If you would, please open your Bibles with me tonight to the book of Matthew, chapter number 5. Pastor Montoya cautioned me not to keep you more than two and a half hours, so. And I, I was telling him in Grenada, a poor preacher will preach for about 40 minutes, maybe 45. The average preacher will preach about an hour and a half, and a good preacher will preach or a long-winded preacher, will preach about two and a half. So, I will try to be a good preacher tonight. Maybe you want me to be a poor preacher. I don't know. So, it's my first time here, so, uh, you know, we we can go for a while, right? Amen. All right. I'm glad that you're all agreeable. I see some smiles. I don't see anybody ready to throw me out of the pulpit yet, so praise the Lord for that. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse number 14, Ye are the light of the world... A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and they give it light unto all that are in the house. Let your lights shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the message that you have shown to me out of these verses. Father, I thank you for giving us the light. Lord, I pray that we would do all that we can to send the light of your gospel into all the world these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Light is an important metaphor in the Bible. As a matter of fact, the word light appears in our King James Bible 272 times. That tells me that it's it's got to have some importance to God. Uh, we find light as the very first thing that God ever created when he said, let there be light. It's the first words that we have recorded uh, in scripture from what uh, God himself said, he said, let there be light. And what does the Bible say? There was light. Uh, So I looked up, just for the fun of it, I looked up on Wikipedia, what is light? The definition that they gave me is that light is the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. Light is the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. My friend, tonight we have a perfect light, and that's the Bible. The Bible is what stimulates our spiritual sight, and it makes the desires of God and the way of salvation clear and visible to all men. There is no other light that we are ever going to have than the light that we have with us tonight. I'm I'm glad, I'm thankful that God has given us that light. We're going to look tonight, first of all, at the origin of light. If you would, turn with me over to John chapter 8, verse number 12. John chapter 8, verse number 12. The Bible says, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. So Jesus here says, I am the light of the world. So who is the light of the world? Somebody help me out. Jesus. All right. Who agrees? A- Amen. You get an A. But back in our text in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 14, the Bible says, ye are the light of the world. So, is there a contradiction here? Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, but here he says, ye are the light of the world. Now, ye means everybody uh, that names the name of Christ. We all are the light of the world. Well, how can that be? Well, I'm thankful for uh, good old-fashioned science books. Science is not my uh, favorite topic, not my favorite subject. I'm never that good at science at school. But one thing I did learn is that the sun is the greater light that rules the day. By the way, that's biblical. And uh, the Bible calls the moon and the stars the lights to rule the night. But scientifically speaking, does the moon produce its own light? No. no. What does it do? It reflects the light from the sun. They say Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the light. What's our job as Christians today? We need to be little reflections. We need to be little reflectors. Because this world, they're not going to look to Jesus Christ. The closest that they're ever going to see, sadly for many of us, is you and me. When my friends look at me, can they see Christ? Most of them are not going to go to church. I, I, I know people who... I've worked for Dunkin' Donuts for four and a half years. Any of you like Dunkin' Donuts? A, amen. All right. I, I like getting that amen, okay? So I'll, I'll take that. Uh, one, one person in here likes Dunkin' Donuts. So praise the Lord. Uh, I enjoyed working there. I worked on a delivery truck. Again, four and a half years. I think I worked with two people... ...that are Christians. Most of them, if you know the life of a truck driver... ...most of them uh, live for the weekend... ...when they can go out and party and do whatever. And most of them do not have a good testimony at all in this world. So what happens? It's like, God, I might not be much... ...but I can be that little light. I might be the only light that they ever see. I might be the closest thing to Christ that they ever see. And for me, that convicted me. It's like, I need to tell my co-workers about Jesus Christ... But light comes first and foremost from Christ. But if the world is ever going to receive the light of the gospel, we must be the light that brings them to the light of the Son of God. Uh, So we see that light comes from Christ, but we see, uh, secondly, that light comes also from the word of God. Probably most of us in this room could quote the verse, Psalm 119, verse 105, where the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. God's word is our light. We need to let the Bible be the light that shines on our way. When we pray, God, what do you want me to do? God, you know, what pathway do you want me to go? They say we need to be in His Word, so that it will shine that light, it will show us where He wants us to go. Uh, we talk often of communication. I believe in communication. I don't always communicate with my wife as I ought to. So it should be the first party in the world to tell you that. But we say, God, I want to do your will, God, I want to do whatever you want me to do, but, you know, I really don't want to take the time to pray. I don't want to take the time to get into your word. Are we really trying to communicate with God? Because God speaks to us through his word, and we speak to God through prayer. If we're not having that communication, how is God going to shine the light on the way he wants us to go? In fact, we need to be in the word of God. We need to. So we see the origin of light, and uh, that's basically your introduction. Just to try to keep it brief. I'm going to try not to keep you here uh, past the three-inch mark of the snow. So you better pray that it comes down fast. So, uh, light comes from Christ, and light comes from the Word of God. But may I say, secondly, we see the purpose of light. In first uh, number 15, back in Matthew chapter 5, the Bible says, Neither do men light a candle, and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. For what purpose? And give it giveth light unto all that are in the house. May I say, first of all, light points the way. When I think of light, I think often of being in a dark storm, You know, late at night, waves crashing up against a a ship. Then way out in the distance, he sees a light. Well, the uh, man of the ship put out a message uh, over the radio. And he said, attention, move 10 degrees to the east. He had a reply back, no sir, move 10 degrees to the west. He says, I am Captain Johnson, move 10 degrees to the east. He hears back. I am Private Smith. Move 10 degrees to the west. Well, the captain at this point, he's uh, pretty upset. He says, I order you by U.S. law, I can have you court martialed, young man. Move 10 degrees to the east. He hears back, with all due respect, sir, you need to move 10 degrees to the west. So he probably gets mad and he says, Move 10 degrees to the east. I am a battleship. He hears back, Move 10 degrees to the west. I am a lighthouse. So often, God wants to shine the light on our way. He says, this is the way I want you to go. You need to go maybe 10 degrees to the east or 10 degrees to the west. And we say, no, God, I know a better way. God, look at who I am. Can I say we are nothing before God? This uh, song that my wife sang, A Servant's Heart, we all need to have that. Imagine if Jesus Christ had come down here to earth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords who he is and always has been, as the creator and the sustainer of the universe, he could have come down, he could have come down off that cross instead of dying for our sins. He could have. If, if he had chosen, he could have called 12 legions of angels to come and take him down. He could have ordered all those men that uh, had put him on the cross, he could have ordered them all to die, and they would have died. Instead, he voluntarily gave up his life for us. He came down here as a servant. They say there's no greater calling that any Christian could have Not to be a pastor, not to be a missionary, but to be a servant of Jesus Christ. What does a servant do? A servant will give up any rights that he has. Because he realizes he is not his own. But he is just a steward of a body. And he says, God, you do whatever you want with it. God, if you want me to go to Grenada, I'll go. God, if you want me to go die as a martyr in China or in another country, I'll go. God, whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to go. That's the attitude of a servant. That's the attitude that Jesus Christ had. He said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus said, Let this cup pass from me. Yet he was willing to let his Father's will be done in everything. But uh, the light points the way. As the the lighthouse guides the ships through treacherous waters, and the lantern illuminates the pathway at night, in much the same way, we need to use the light of God's word. When we see a world that's lost in darkness and sin, we need to use God's word to uh, be an encouragement and a help to them. I'm not a big fan of Facebook, okay? If you like Facebook, you know, uh, bless you, and I'm not going to uh, attack you for it. Facebook has a lot of good purposes that could be used. But I've, I've seen so often on there that somebody will just use it as a platform just to complain, to, to air out all their family's dirty laundry, stuff that I really don't need to know. But may I say that when you see somebody going through a hard time, maybe they'll just put a status out there or something, you turn around, you give them a verse in the Bible to encourage them, to uplift them so easy when somebody is down just to kick them or just leave them down there. Instead, we need to be the light. Say, let me show you the way. Let me show you the way to the light of the Son of God. Let me pick you up. Let me help you up. Let me lift you up. Let me encourage you in some way. We need to be the light. And we need to use the light of God's truth to encourage and uplift others. Because we need to be the shining light that's going to point one in darkness to the light of salvation in him. So the purpose of light, first of all, Is to point the way. Second of all, may I say that light will reveal. The light within us will reveal our testimony. A testimony is a legal term. Uh, I don't know if there's any lawyers or uh, or judges in here. Anybody involved in law? But uh, I very much enjoyed law. I used to enjoy watch. I don't watch much TV, but I used to enjoy watching Judge Judy and some of the other judge shows. And they would often ask somebody to give their testimony. And sometimes that person giving a testimony would call a witness. Now, in the Christian realm, we often will talk about giving our testimony. That's about how we got saved, and we will even talk about you know how we need to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Well, what does a witness do in giving their testimony? All they do is they tell what they have seen, what they have heard, what they know, or what they have done. That's what they do. I've heard people say, "I can't go out and be a soul winner. I can't tell somebody about Jesus Christ because I don't know all the verses." I've had somebody tell me that. My friend, you don't have to know all the verses. You don't have to. Do you know what Jesus Christ did for you? Did Jesus Christ save your soul? Did he take you on your way to a devil's hell and show you the light so you can go up to heaven? Friend, just tell somebody about what Jesus Christ has done for you. That's being a witness. That is being a testimony for him. Light will reveal our testimony. May said the light of God's word will reveal our sin. I know for me, a lot of times, I'll look at myself, I'll be like, you know, I'm not that bad. Now, I'm pretty good. I got a nice suit on. Got a nice shirt on. My wife picked out a nice tie for me. Yes, he actually picked out my ties. Praise the Lord. Uh, but you don't want to see my, my taste in ties. But uh, yeah, I, I can say I look pretty good. I go to church every Sunday. I tie. I give to uh, Faith Promise missions every week. It's like God, I'm a pretty good person. But who am I comparing myself to? Am I comparing myself to another Christian? Okay, maybe. Or they might make me look pretty, pretty rotten. If I'm comparing myself to the world, they say we're comparing ourselves to the wrong place. We need to compare ourselves to the sinless Son of God. Jesus Christ lived for 33 and a half years. We will never be tempted, above that we are able. He was tempted at every point, like as we are, yet without sin. I don't need to compare myself to another, to an unsaved person. I don't need to compare myself to another Christian. I need to compare myself to Jesus Christ. And that's when the light shining upon me. I'll see myself in the mirror. I'll see I'm not who I ought to be. My light is not shining as brightly as it needs to. But the light will reveal our testimony. It will reveal our sin. You may say the light also will reveal our burden. So many people I know, they say, Oh yeah, we care for, for missions. We care for lost souls. That's why I give so much money to the church. Praise the Lord for those of you that give money to the church. Uh, for the cause of worldwide missions. I'm thankful for that. It's, it's uh, people like you that support missionaries like, like us and many, many others. I was looking through the missionary list earlier. You support a lot of missionaries, and thank you for that. But that doesn't negate our responsibility. Giving is a, is a great thing. But when we say that we care for souls, and we're, we care enough to give, but we don't care enough to go ourselves, we we missed it somewhere. Somewhere we have missed the light. And that brings us finally tonight to the problem of light. In Matthew 5, verses 15 and 16, the Bible says, Neither do men light a candle, and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. The first problem with light tonight is that light can grow dim. My dad loves antiques. If you knew my dad, you would know that, and it's probably 10 years ago now, he purchased a kerosene lantern. And he had heard about them for years. So he had always wanted one. He finally went out and bought one. Filled it right up with kerosene. He looked at the instructions and said, okay, that's uh, that's pretty easy. Fill it with kerosene, get a match out, you light it. And it's shone very brightly for about three hours. And after that, the light starts flickering. It's getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. He couldn't figure out what in the world was wrong with his kerosene lantern. So he tried putting more kerosene in, ends up putting too much. And he's like, What is wrong with this lantern? Why is it still getting dimmer? You know, I just added even more kerosene, so it should really be bright now. He didn't realize, yes, that you're required, if you want your kerosene lantern to be bright, you need to trim the wick. There are times in our lives where we just need to trim the wick of our lives. Sometimes that's trimming out a sin. And, you know, I don't know anything that anybody here might be involved in, but whatever sin we may have in our lives, we need to cut it out. But maybe it's not even a sin that we need to cut out. Maybe that's not what we need to trim away. Maybe we're living a life, and as far as we know, there's no known sin, and uh, praise the Lord to be able to have that kind of testimony before God. But maybe there's something that the devil's using to distract us. You see, the devil understands that he can deceive a lost world, but he cannot deceive a Christian. Matter of fact, once we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, he has given us the eternal Uh, Holy Spirit, to be our comforter and to be our guide. The Holy Spirit will convict us. You know, the Holy Spirit will lead us. He knows he can't get us. He knows he cannot deceive us. But he also knows he he can do all that he can to distract us. Is there a distraction in your life? For teenagers, is it video games? Is it sports? Adults, is it overtime at work? Is it your kids' activities? I think sometimes families, and I'm all for having good family time. I'm all for having kids, uh, having a lot of activities. But when those activities get in the way of spiritual things, when those activities get in the way of going out and reaching lost souls for Jesus Christ, you've the wrong priorities. Sometimes we need to trim away those distractions that keep us away from God. If If we are willing to walk in obedience to Christ, we will not hinder his light from shining through us. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing? But not only can our light grow dim, but there are times that we can intentionally hide our light. The Bible says in uh, verse number 15, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Now, I used to uh, sing the song, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. Probably, probably a lot of us in this room know that song, especially if we have kids. You know, This Little Light of Mine, I'm Gonna Let It Shine. I always thought, the song said, hide it under a bush? No, I'm going to let it shine. Okay, we need to let that light shine everywhere that we go. We need to let the light of our lives shine. We must be the ones that are willing to send the light. But this is not talking about hiding under a bush. After all, a bush would probably catch on fire. Then would did it create an even bigger light? This here it says, uh, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. So uh, this here is speaking about a bushel basket. It's what would hold a bushel of apples. It's a uh, measure, so a mathematical measure that would hold a bushel of apples. And who would take this basket and put it over top of that candle? That candle still gives out just as much light, but it's hidden to all those around it. You say we hide our light a lot of times because of pride? I know for me personally, I've hidden my light so many times in my life because of pride. One of my favorite preachers, his name is Dr. John Getch. And he said, we would not care about what others think of us if we knew how seldom they do. We think, what's this person over here going to think? What's that person going to think? They couldn't care less. I I, I would like to share my salvation testimony very briefly tonight. Uh, When I was five years old, I made a profession of faith. And yet that very night, I knew 100% for sure that I was not saved. See, I did the same thing I always did. I, I'm from Philadelphia, so forgive me. Okay, We don't have the mighty Yankees. We have the lowly Phillies as our baseball team. I, I love baseball. And I would sit on the front, front row every time, hands folded, looking right at the preacher, and daydreaming about baseball. I looked apart. I looked pretty good. But my mind was nowhere there. When the invitation time came, I did the same thing I always did. Bow my head, close my eyes, okay, I can look the part. He asked a question, and... I have no idea what he asked. I looked at the guy next to me. He has his hand raised, so I put my hand up too. I have my best friend sitting next to me, so whatever he does, I want to do it too. So he said, okay, if you have your hands raised, go outside. I went outside. He said, okay. Or the lady said, you need to say some words, and if you say these words, you'll be saved. So I said the words because it was expected there, and told my parents that night that I was saved. My parents were happy, so why should I disappoint my parents? My parents are happy. Great. All right. There's nothing different in my life. Not a thing. When I was eight years old, I was so convicted, but I'd already, I was already working with four- and five-year-olds. I can't tell these kids. What, what are people going to think of me? When I was 12 years old, I had a seizure. I was out ice skating, and my last thought before my head hit the ice and I went unconscious is, I'm going to die. I'm going to go straight to hell. And I knew it. I just let out a, a brief prayer, uh, just, in, just in my mind and in my heart, God, if you bring me through this, God, you let me live here, I'll get saved tonight. Well, my pastor somehow beat me to the hospital. To this day, I have no idea how he beat me to the hospital, and he prayed over me right away. God, we thank you. That if something had happened to Joe that he would have been in your presence tonight, that pride in my heart came through again. So I prayed that night. I said, God, just give me till I'm 16, I'll get saved then. The day I turned 16, it's God, give me till I'm 18. Then I turned 18 and I just started Bible college. I'm like, God, I can't tell these people I've been living a lie for all these years. God, give me until I'm 21. I'm out of Bible college. Don't have to do to these college students that are on fire for you. I'm like, God, just give me until I'm 21. I'll get saved then. I'm thankful that God had mercy on me waiting so long. But it was just a few weeks after I prayed that prayer for the final time that God convicted my heart in a message on the uh, parable of the wheat and the tares. I knew I was a fake. And yet still, that pride did not let me get saved that night. But a few days later, I heard a message. Are you sure that you're saved in the book of First John? And I felt that whole message. But finally, at the end, I said, God, I'm sick and tired of my pride. I you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross from my sins. Come to my heart and save me. I was deserving of hell. I still am. But I'm thankful for God's mercy on me. I don't deserve anything that he's given me. My friend, if... Uh, you've been here. Maybe you've been in the church for uh, 20 years. You know, maybe you've acted as a Christian your whole life. Don't let your pride take you to hell. If you have not ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and the only two people who know that are you and God, get settled tonight. Don't wait another day. Don't waste another day. It's not worth it. But so often it's our pride that makes us hide our light. What's my coworker going to think if I tell him? What's my family member going to think if I tell? If I tell them, I'd rather care about what God thinks of me. So our light can grow dim, our light can be hidden. May I say, finally, our light can burn out when we serve with the wrong motive. The Bible says in Matthew five sixteen, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. My wife and I are going to Grenada, because God has called us there. I'm thankful for that. What is our purpose in going there? I say our first motive in going there is not to build a church. Some people would maybe get mad at me on that. I will tell you our first motive in going to Grenada is not to see souls being saved. Our first motive, as Bible says right here, that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. All that we do before anything else, no higher motive do we have than the glory of the Son of God. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Are we willing to give him the glory? It's not about anything that we've done, because we're not worthy. But it's about him. We're trying to live a life of obedience to Christ. Now, through that obedience and through bringing him glory, that's why we're going to go out and try to reach souls for Christ. That's why there is going to be a church planted in Granville. But our motive is not that. Our motive is to bring glory to our Savior. Because he alone is worthy. But if anybody's going to send the light, it's not going to be a lost world. It's going to be us. And it's our job to send that light. Probably most of us in here, uh, I know there's a lot of missionaries that, that come here. And I know you support a lot of missionaries, and again, I'm very thankful for that. You probably heard a lot of messages that say, "Give or go, give and send," or excuse me, "Go, give and pray." How many of you have heard a message like that? All right, praise the Lord, it's biblical. Uh, if you would start with me very briefly, and uh, we'll be closing here in just a few moments. Uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. We call this the Great Commission. I love the word commission, because if you break the word commission into two parts, you'll see, first of all, co, and then you'll see mission. The prefix co means to join together. I think of co-workers trying to join together in producing something for the common good of the company. I think of co-pilots, and if you followed the news recently, there have been some issues with pilots, maybe landing at the wrong airport. The co-pilot's job is to work together to get the plane off the ground to the proper airport and land it safely. That's the job of the co-pilots. But in much the same way, God wants us to work together with him in fulfilling his mission. What mission do we have? To give the gospel to the entire world. The Bible says in Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. First part of this year, the Bible says, go ye. Again, we see that word ye, just like ye are the light of the world. Every one of us has the responsibility to go. The Bible doesn't say, go ye if you're a pastor, or go ye if you're a missionary, or go ye if you're a leader in the church, go ye if you're such and such in the church. He says, go ye. He's speaking to each and every one of us. Every one of us has that responsibility. May they say, wherever we are, wherever God has put us, that's where we need to go. Whatever school God has put you in, that's where you need to go. Whatever family God has put you in, that's where you need to go. Your community that God has placed you in, that's where you need to go. Your job that God has put you, there's the co-workers that you need to go to. Where God has put us, he, I believe that every one of us in this room could reach somebody for Christ that nobody else in this world could reach. Every one of us has that influence. I, I read probably about six months ago that every person, no matter how introverted they may be, has the opportunity to influence 10,000 people in their lifetime. 10,000 people that we could perhaps influence for heaven. Maybe it's just planting a seed. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's reaping the reward and reaping the harvest. But we're not going to know until we, we're willing to go. Well, when the Bible says, Go ye therefore, it doesn't say, Go ye therefore until you're working a full time job. Go ye therefore until you get married. Go ye therefore until anything. There's no expiration date. It's not go ye therefore until you retire. As a matter of fact, uh, back in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, Isaiah said, Lord, how long? God, how long do you want me to go? What's God's answer? Until the cities be wasted without an inhabitant. As long as there are people on the face of this earth, it is our job as Christians to go. As long as we are here in the time that God has allotted us, we need to go. Every Christian has that responsibility. But not only do we need to go, we do need to give. And again, I'm thankful for such a giving church, so I'm not going to uh, dwell on this. But in Philippians 4, verse 12, the Apostle Paul said, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. You see, my wife and I, people say, you're missionaries. Why in the world would you give to faith promised missions? Why would we? Because, uh, well, we can reach people in Grenada, just like we can reach people here in America. But we're probably never going to have the opportunity to go to China, or Russia, or Papua New Guinea, or Australia, or so many other countries. We can't go to every one of these places. Maybe we can't go, but our dollars can. With what God has given us, are we willing to give it? William Carey said, we will venture to go, but remember that you hold the ropes. You hold your missionaries on the mission field. You do it through your giving. and You do it through your prayers. This is our story, and uh, I'll be closing here in just a moment. But uh, there's a story about a preacher who went up to a farmer. And he asked the farmer, If God gave you two, two boats, would you give one back to God? The farmer said, Sure, if God gave me two boats, I'd gladly give one back. The preacher says, Well, what if God gave you two cars? Would you give one back? Oh, yeah, preacher. If God gave me two cars, I'd gladly give one back to him. What if God gave you two horses? Well, preacher, if God gave me two horses, I think I'd be very quick to give one back to him. And two cows? Oh, come on, preacher. If God gave me two cows, I'd gladly give one right back to him. Preacher says, one more question. What if God gave you two pigs? Well, that the farmer got a He says, Preacher, that's not fair. You know God gave me two pigs. So often, it, at least in my life, and I've seen it so many times. So he says, God, if you'll just give me more, God, I'll, I'll give more. God, I'll give more to church. God, I'll give more to missions if you'll give me more. God, if you'll give me a bigger house, God, if you'll give me a second car, God, if you'll give me more overtime at work, I'll give more. How about we start by being faithful with what God has already given us? We might say two pigs is not as impressive as two boats. Maybe not. But if we're faithful with two pigs, God might be willing to increase that a little bit more. might be willing to give us the two cows or the two horses or uh, two whatever. Are we willing to go? Are we willing to give? Are we willing to pray? Second Thessalonians 3 verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, Finally, brethren, pray for us. That the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you. A missionary certainly needs your financial support. But I could easily argue that they need your prayer support just as much, or maybe even more. We need your prayers. The life of a missionary is a life where they're away from their, uh, their extended family. They're away from their friends. They're away from all from the culture that they grew up with. We you go down to Grenada, it's going to be totally new for me. My wife is somewhat used to it. Uh, thanks her growing up there. But will you pray for your missionaries? I'm not talking, uh, take a few moments and just say, Oh God, please bless all the missionaries. Amen. So, if, if that's all you have time to do, you know, praise the Lord for it. But get to know your missionaries. Talk to them. Maybe even write them a letter or an email. I got a letter this past week and I, I think it was my first letter I had received in about three months. It was such an encouragement to me. Just a family that was in a church that we were at probably close to a year ago now. They were just saying, you know, Father, we still remember you. We have your prayer card. We pray for you. So, like, you know, we pray for your daughter, too. You know, she hasn't made the prayer card yet. We apologize for that. But uh, will you pray for your missionaries? Will we do whatever we can to send the light to a lost and dying world? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for especially that you have given me, Lord. I thank you for the light that you have shown us in your word. I pray that you would help each and every one of us to send the light or in whatever way that you make possible. But, Lord, it's our responsibility, every one of us, to go. I pray you would help us to go. But I pray that as there are so many times and so many opportunities that you would help us just to take advantage and not to make it wasted opportunities. But I pray that you would help us, each and every one of us to give as we ought to. I thank you that this church is such a good giving church. But Lord, I know each and every one of us can also pray more. I know I can pray more, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would each pray for our missionaries also. Not just for them, Lord, not just for their families, not just for their health, not just for their finances, Lord. That you would go ahead and work on hearts that they haven't even gotten the opportunity to see yet. That when they go and they try to speak to people about Jesus Christ, these people are already open, already have soft hearts, willing to listen, Lord, ready to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ.